It is Thursday, December 1st. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who can score with just one foot in, Jay. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. J.P. Shadrick. I would be the first one in league history for that to happen. Welcome. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. It is week 13, and I guess it's December. I didn't realize it until right now. We've got a busy two hours ahead. Analyst Jeff Lagerman joining us here shortly. It's week 13. The Jaguars and the Lions, a battle of four and seven teams. Five and seven sounds a whole lot better than four and eight. So uh, the winner of this game will be with that record coming out of the game. The stretch run, con- well, unless they tie, a stretch run continues. Of course, it's game two of a seven-game season, as I heard the other day in the locker room. And the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the head coach coming up at 5 o'clock in just a little bit. Let's hear from head coach Doug Peterson right now. Yes, four and seven records for the Jaguars and the Lions. Well, there's every game in the league is a big game. This one, though, uh, despite the records, is certainly important for both sides. The guys understand that it is a big game. Uh, because it's the next one and just like them you know um, um, our goals are right in front of us you know and, and uh, this is a this is a good football they got what what we have as a staff have to get across to our players that we're playing a good football team and 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 I think they're saying the same things they're, they're playing a good football team so it, it's we're kind of the same in a way and I, I heard you know uh, Coach Campbell talked about that the other day, that very similar teams and both playing for a lot, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think just from that standpoint, you could probably consider it, you know, uh, in, the, in the big game category. Well, as John Madden said, tell me when there's a little game. They don't really exist in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, Wednesday, speaking with the media. Why are the Jags better in the red zone lately? The one thing you look at is we're not turning it over in the red zone, and that's that was a big stat, you know, early, or I guess the kind of middle, early to middle of the season was, you know, out of four or five red zone trips, we had a bunch of turnovers inside the 20. So obviously if you turn it over, that's a wasted possession in the red zone. So um, we've eliminated those. And then uh, I think we've been a lot better on first and second down, keeping our, it's because it's hard to, it's really hard to score when you get yourself in, in third and long in the red zone. Teams are just going to kind of sit back, play zone, run up, make the tackle. You know, you can get a, you can get some yards and get some back, but it's, it's hard to, you know, move the sticks or even, you know, to get in the end zone when you're third and long. So I think we've done a good job of staying ahead of the chains. Um, and I, there's, there's other things too, but I think those are the two main things. And then to today, Coordinator Thursday. All three coordinators for the Jaguars spoke with the media, starting with Offensive Coordinator Press Taylor, discussing the quarterback's play and the confidence level of number 16. You know, I don't know if I'd go through and compare every single game and how he's played. There's been spurts here and there, different things. Certainly the fourth quarter, really that, that last drive, he just got hot. And you could kind of see in the way he threw the ball, the conviction he had, his back foot, let the ball rip, put it to a spot where really it was his guys or nobody. And there were a lot of those throws that were seemed like long handoffs where he just kind of, you saw that confidence just pouring out in the way he played and the way he let the ball rip and the belief in what he was doing at the line. On defense, linebacker Chad Muma made his starting debut last week at that position. Could be the case again this week. Defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell. Uh, I thought Chad uh, did a good job. He went out there, uh, played a lot of energy, made some plays for us. Uh, 
I think he calmed everything down uh, at times. He helped Foyer out a bunch, so he uh, did a good job. And going forward, you know, just uh, continue to get better, uh, just uh, find his niche in this defense. And then to special teams, Heath Farwell speaking with the media today, the special teams coordinator. And last week, punter Logan Cook had three punts for a 55.3 net average. He's super talented, works at it every day. Um, you know, some of those those punts you just don't see, especially seeing three of them. You know, you'll see a 70-yard punt once in a while, and it's it's spectacular. That alone to have three of them. Uh, it's pretty special, and, um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something he works at all the time. And then... To have DT go down there and down that one at the two was, uh, you know, just made it even better. So those are, uh, you know, we're 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 able to watch a, a very very talented punter and, uh, you know, Pro Bowl talent and, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, hopefully this is his year. If it's not, uh, he deserves it. You know, he's a he's a special player. Uh, we're lucky to have. I was uh, um, I'm fortunate to, to to have him here. You got you know the Jacksonville Jaguars draft him and I just walk into a spectacular player. Well, of course, uh, Cook second in the NFL in gross average, fifth in net average. That's fourth best in the AFC. All the press conferences available on Jaguars.com and more with head coach Doug Peterson coming up at 5 o'clock on the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars radio network. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman with us now, and here we are. It's been it's been a little while since we've uh, been on Thursdays together. What's up, man? Yeah, what, bye week, Thanksgiving, yeah. all, all that good stuff. Was yeah. there a, a hurricane or something in there, too? Yeah, pro- yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back and to have a victory like that. That was good. It was really good, and it was a really great game. I mean, eight lead changes in the game, three of them in the fourth quarter. We've seen that some, but haven't been able to come out on top, but... Uh, they did it. Two-minute drive, got it done, gave up the lead once, got it back, fought down the field, big throws from the quarterback, and and that's really the big thing that comes out of the game is the play of Trevor Lawrence, and especially in a clutch moment like that to come through with some big-time throws, finish in the end zone, and then the two-point play, the guts to go for it, and then execute the play on top of it. Well, the big-time throws, but then also there were some throws that uh, that I would say that weren't big-time throws, but you could see that he's made progress and learned from in the past. You know, you go back to that game in London against the Denver Broncos, and he throws the interception on what's supposed to be a little speed out to Evan Ingram. Yeah, the exact same play called before the end of the half, and this time he throws it out of bounds so that he preserves the three points for his football team. Uh, late in the ball game, you had a third and 21 play after a sack that uh, you needed to make, and it was four-down situation, so you had two downs. And in the past, you would see Trevor try to force a ball down the field to get all 21 yards on one throw. And he's learned from that, and so he throws an underneath pass you have an opportunity on a third and manageable, or excuse me, a fourth and manageable, which is much better than throwing an interception on the third and long. So, I mean, that was just it was there was so much good, and then there was probably eight or nine throws in that ball game that I think were just franchise level quarterback throws that you just you just don't find people that can make day in and day out, and that to me was the most encouraging thing. There is always a little bit of good fortune. Okay, that happens along the way. For example, there was a third and eight, and he throws the ball on the Jaguar sideline. It bounces out of the hands of the Ravens' safety, Geno Stone, which could have ended the comeback. He had a sack caused fumble by Calais Campbell that was recovered 
by your center, which if it was recovered by the Ravens, could have ended the comeback. I mean, but sometimes you got to have a little bit of that to go the right way. But overall, I mean, it was it was a fantastic performance, and I said this at the end of the ball game. We just saw that moment. When I say that, what I mean by that moment is that we really saw him come to form of a franchise quarterback because that was big time, big time performance. And it had been building up over the month of November. I mean, the guy in the three games in November has been fantastic. 77% passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions, including the game this uh, past week. And uh, I'm sure he was a candidate for player of the month. Not quite going to get to that level, but... Uh, it had been building up, and he finally comes through for a, a big performance and a win and a two-minute drive on top of that to get it done. He had to have some help along the way, though, Logs. And Zay Jones had a career day, 14 targets, 11 catches, a career high in yardage as well, all career highs, and the game-winning two-point conversion on a fastball out to the left. Yeah, he uh... – the the catches that he made were tremendous. There was one that that Zay made where he's running a real shallow cross, and it's not as uh, deep as it's really designed to be because he got pushed to the inside. And he and when you watch it on film, he's maybe three or four yards past the line of scrimmage. Trevor's drop back. Trevor throws it. He's got an offensive line kind of blocking the sight picture as the ball is coming, and Zay one hands it. I mean, first of all. How did he see that? Number one, Trevor is so close, and I don't want to say it was a fastball, but it wasn't. It wasn't a changeup, okay? So it wasn't slow. And uh, to find the ball, to make the catch, one-handed. I mean, it was, it was tremendous. The the route that he ran on a fourth and uh, fourth and eight, I believe it was, a little flag route he ran that was just perfect. And Trevor put the ball in there. That's one of those franchise throws that he had. The two-point conversion that Zay makes because outstretched arms, that's not an easy catch to make, and he secures it. And that was an absolute dart by Trevor, another franchise-level throw right there. You know, So it was impressive. It was fun. And, man, was this place rocking. I mean, it was just absolutely rocking. Great to see, certainly. We'll get to the Lions coming up in just a little bit. Of course, the Jaguars visit Detroit this week. Let's flip it to defense now, Logs, and – yeah, against the Ravens last week, they employed a few different new-er looks. A few? Three safeties yeah. a, a, a little bit in the game, three linebackers in the game. How much of that is a one-week game plan thing, and how much of that might stick depending on the opponent? Well, I think with, with the Wingard package, I wouldn't be surprised if that stays uh, a little bit, depending on the personnel of the opponent. Because Wingard made a, a big-time play. Look, you come back in, you cause the fumble. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, after that cause fumble, you end up taking that and kind of getting back into the uh, – because you know, here it is, where you, when you had that, that was you – were, you were down 17-19, you caused the fumble, then you take the lead off of that. And, and what was impressive about that play by Dewey Wingard was – it's a, sa- it's a nickel blitz, okay? And I keep saying safety because he's a safety, but he's essentially playing the nickel position. It's a nickel blitz. He's coming off the outside edge, and as he's tracking to kind of come around the corner or bend the corner around the tackle to run play, instead of continuing that track and trying to run it down from behind, he realizes that he can't catch it. So then he changes his angle, 
plants his foot, and then comes downhill to retreat to intercept the running back once he gets through the line of scrimmage because he's not going to be able to make an impact on the play before he gets to the line of scrimmage, and he's just not going to be an impact at all. The awareness that he has on that angle and changing his uh, angle of attack was great. And then the awareness of going for the ball in that situation, that was great. And so, you know, when you make plays like that, then you earn more time in that role that you're asked to do. And I think we'll see some more of him again. That's going to be dependent upon personnel. But here's the reason why. You've got a cornerback issue, okay? That's a reality. You have a corner issue. The, the play of your corners is not what you need or what you expected at the beginning of the year. All right, let's go through that then. I mean, obviously, Shaq Griffin's still on IR. and Well, Herndon, there's one guy that's not available. Right. Herndon okay. was down last week, did okay. not, was well, not active. And that's kind of part of, okay, let's look at what we're doing and self-evaluate during the bye week and see where we can get better. They make a decision there that they're going to try to get better with somebody else. Okay, so now you've got Tavon Campbell as an yep. option. Yep. You've got Monteric Brown, Buster Brown rookie, as an option. Late-round pick rookie. Um, uh, Tyson Campbell's out there, obviously. Chris Claybrooks. I'm talking about guys to kind of fill in behind Tyson okay. Campbell and Darius Williams. Yep. So I don't think they're overly impressed with any of those options. And Darius Williams is not playing that great, to be honest with you. I mean, he's spent a lot of money on Darius Williams and free agency. And, I mean, the reality is he's not playing that well. You know, and if you look at it from a number standpoint, to give folks an idea, if you look at corners in the National Football League, corners, okay, PFF's got him rated at like 104. Okay, that's not a good ranking. Okay, that's corner alone, yes, 104. That's not ideal. So you're trying to find some answers with, with the back end. And so putting Wingard in as a nickel – is something, hey, look, let's try it. The other package that they ran in that game that was a little different, they had a 3-5 look, okay, and the 3-5 was three big guys, Devon Hamilton, Roy Robertson, Harris, Fadakasi, and then you had five linebackers, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker on the outside, and then you had Muma, Aluakan, and Lloyd as the three kind of floating linebackers. Then you had two safeties and only one corner. That's actually the personnel that you had on the field when Deshaun Jackson caught the 62-yarder. Got it. Uh, which, uh, you know, the execution of that coverage wasn't very good. Cisco yep. um, peeked in on that play, right? Yeah, Cisco yeah, got caught a little bit inside. But here, here, here's why that play happened, really the foundation of why it happens. Deshaun Jackson is on the right side of the offensive formation, and, and he's running kind of like what we call a racer route all the way across the formation to the other side of the field. That can't happen if you've got some pass rush. Okay, it's just it's, it takes too long to develop. The Jaguars only have a three-man rush. They drop Trayvon in almost like a spy-robber kind of look to maybe do both, you know, to maybe rob an interception or to help out in shallow underneath coverage or to to be the the chaser of Lamar Jackson if he were to break out of the pocket. So that gives Lamar Jackson plenty of time to stay in the pocket, which allows that long route to develop. And then he, he throws a great ball, throws a great ball. But you'd like to not have that play happen at that moment. And hindsight being twenty twenty, I don't know if you'd want to be in that personnel. 
We'll come back in a moment and move forward. The Detroit Lions up next at Ford Field. A little more into the defense as well. Chad Muma's day, his first start. He played every snap for and the And we got to go Jaguars. special teams, JP. I mean, that's, look, I thought special teams – Logan Cook. I mean, we can't we, we can't do a show. Well. I know we yeah. can't do a show without talking about that because uh, he's he's arguably over the last three years or whatever. And did you, by the chance by chance did you see the Detroit Lions press release, the game release for this week? Yeah, yeah. I saw some of it. Okay, well, you must. Did you see the part about their punter? You haven't gotten that far I yet. I got that far. Okay, yet. we'll talk about that. Okay, when we come. Back. Okay, I can't wait. We're back in a moment. Uh, plenty ahead, of course. Second hour coming up at 5 o'clock. It's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, bank better. And it's Jaguars Happy Hour. It's Thursday. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. The Jaguars and the Lions coming up. That's Sunday, 1 o'clock. Today at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach coming up uh, a little less than 40 minutes from right now. Looking forward to that. Logs, you really want to talk about punters today. They are people, too. Well, uh, first of all, Logan Cook had a fantastic game. He did. Which was the longest in league history, I believe, a 68.7 gross average, which is the most in NFL history for uh, a minimum of three punts in a game, which that's amazing. His net average in a game was 55.3. Well, while perusing the Detroit Lions game release, they're trying to build up their punter, Jack Fox, who is – an average punter in the league this year, but they're trying to build him up a little bit more. And so they have this stat that's on their release, and it says NFL punting average leaders in the NFL since 2020. And Jack Fox is number six with a net average of 42.9. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad, right? Okay. Uh, well, let's kind of work our way to the top. Mm. Okay, number five is Townsend of Kansas City. Way of Washington is at three. And Anger is also tied at three with Dallas. Dixon from Seattle is at number two. And oh, 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 who's number one? That would be um, Logan Cook would be number one with a 43.6 net average since 2020. Best in the league. That's impressive. It is. He's been punting well. Yes. Pro Bowl type of player. And he's having a great year. And if, if he had gotten a little assist – Okay, with that ball being downed at the goal line, the one that went into the end zone that was touched, and I can't remember who it was. If he got a little bit of help in that situation, that that net average could have been 60-plus. That's impressive. That would have been impressive for sure. This week, let's hope we don't see him much because that means the Jaguars' offense is up and down the field in the Motor City against the Detroit Lions, and it's a similar-looking, feeling set up for the Lions, though they are a little further back in their division, of course. Four and seven is good for second place in the NFC North, but the Vikings are uh, running away with it. But boy, this Lions team runs the football. It's their best rushing output through 11 games since 1998. I think Barry Sanders was on the team in 98, <laughs> and that's been a long time. 
They've got a couple good running backs, big physical offensive line, and uh, the quarterback is throwing pretty well off of all that. So it's an offense that can uh, can punch you in the mouth. Well, the quarterback's getting some great coaching, I can tell you that. Okay, Jared Goff. <laughs> Mark Brunel. Uh, Mark Brunel is their quarterback's coach in Detroit. And uh, they definitely run the ball very well. Uh, looking at their rankings, they're a top 10 running team. They've got two really good backs, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift is kind of that change of pace back. Jamal Williams is kind of the workhorse guy, the pounder. He leads Gets the league in touchdowns, by 13 the way. Rushing t- 13 rushing touchdowns, yeah. which uh, kind of put that in perspective. You, know, you talked about Barry Sanders, 1998. I mean, to go back in time a little bit, Barry Sanders – actually rushed for 16 rush touchdowns in 91, 14, and 1989. So just to put a little perspective, Jamal Williams having 13 rushing touchdowns already. I mean, that's that's impressive. Their offensive line is very good when they're healthy. They haven't been healthy, or they weren't healthy on Thanksgiving. Okay, Penny Sewell, the right tackle, first-round pick uh, last year, really good player. Okay, their left tackle, Taylor Decker, Really good player. Good enough that Penny Sewell is not going to supplant him. They didn't even try to put Penny Sewell as the left tackle. The guards have been a little bit banged up. Okay, Jonah Jackson, who is their normal starting left guard, had a concussion, was inactive on Thanksgiving Day. Their right guard, Evan Brown, was inactive because of an ankle on Thanksgiving Day. They had a couple backups in there. But the tackles are two of the best in the league. Okay, Sewell is a 10-rated tackle. Just to give people an idea on PFF, Taylor Decker is uh, low 30s. Okay, if you compare that to the Jaguars, Penny, or, uh, what do you mean by that? Those rate, what is that? That's amongst all tackles that that take a, a 20% minimum of snaps in the league. Okay, okay, just to give people an idea, out of tackles alone, okay, Penny Sewell is rated at 10. That's incredibly high. That's all tackles, left tackles, right tackles, doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. It's high. Taylor Decker is at 33. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, compare that to the Jaguars. Cam Robinson's at 50. Jawan Taylor's at 71. Okay. And, and look, I get that PFF sometimes is not the end-all, be-all about the evaluation and stuff, but it gives people an idea. But this offensive line is really good. Those tackles are good. The center right rack, rack now is, is a top-five center in the league. And with those two guards, the two guards are not uh, – uh, I would call them two of the best guards in the league if you looked at both of them, okay? Just give people an idea. Jackson's a 10-rated guard. Evan Brown is a 20, okay? So right. 20 best guard yeah. in the league. I mean, so these guys are good now. And if they're healthy with those two backs that they have and most importantly, Detroit's commitment to being physical, this is, a, this is not an easy game. And the Jaguars have been started the season out really good against the run. I think this defense is trying to find its identity still, still trying to find out who they are. And at the beginning of the year, they established themselves that they were going to be a team that was going to be able to stop the run. But there's been a couple games that haven't been great about stopping the run. So this is a challenging week in a lot of different ways with the run commitment that the Detroit Lions have with the talent that they have on the offensive line and then they have a quarterback behind them that's getting coached up and is playing pretty solid. So as a front seven, how do you 
how do you match up against that? I mean, how do you you know they're coming at you? You know, you know they're going to be physical. They're not going to run around you. They're running at you. Yeah, there's no secret. You just got to you got to win your one on ones and make tackles, and you got to populate the ball. I mean, you hear all these terms that people talk about, coaches talk about, coach speak, but it's it's all true. And if you if you if you don't stop their running game, you're going to have a long day. If you allow the Detroit Lions offensive line to control the tempo of the game, you're going to be in for a long day. Because the reality is, is that look, this Detroit Lions team, and a lot of people like to make fun of them. They almost beat the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving Absolutely. Day. Absolutely, they had them on the ropes. Okay, they've won three out of their last four games. Okay, this is a good football team. They're playing good, and I get that they haven't been great in the past. But this is a team that's playing well. So you better be ready to play against them. Jared Goff, off that running game, is playing well lately also. We just looked at Trevor Lawrence's numbers over the last month. But in that same time frame, similar time frame, Jared Goff has been making some throws too. And, and Amon Ross St. Brown is playing well on the outside as wide receiver. And, hey, that connection off that running game, that gives them something to – and the guy's a first-round pick, number one overall pick quarterback back in 2016. Got the Rams to a Super Bowl. He has some talent at quarterback. Yeah, and he's – he's been in a couple of Pro Bowls. I mean, he's been there, kind of done that. And I looked at – I think as a football team, he, he still needs more weapons. They're building to the future. Is he the answer? I think if you build a really good team around him, he could be the answer. But is he going to be one of those franchise guys that can put a team on his back and carry him to a Super Bowl win? If he was that, do you think Sean McVay would have traded him That's away right. to get somebody else? No. And I, and they, I thought that the Detroit Lions did a really good job. Uh, their executive vice president, general manager Brad Holmes, when he got in there last year, he traded away Matthew Stafford and then acquired Jared Goff, added, I think, two first-round picks, and then another – I wrote it down. Like a third, I a think. A third, yeah. So you got two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and then Jared Goff. And for where the Lions were at, which they weren't going to win a Super Bowl in the time frame needed for Matthew Stafford, I thought that was a really good deal for the Lions. Really good. To pick up some draft capital – to get an established, proven quarterback in exchange, to still, to still, to I mean, to get the quarterback, and to still have two extra first-round picks and then a third-round pick. I mean, I think that's smart football. We'll come back in a moment. We'll get into the Lions' defense, and yes, the top two draft picks from the 2022 NFL draft on the field this week. Not against each other. Of course, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson will get Log's thoughts on those two and what to expect this Sunday. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, we'll be archived on the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. NPRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com and learn more. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It's Thursday. It's week 13. The Jaguars face the Lions coming up this Sunday at Ford Field. Both teams at 4 and 7. The winner in a little better shape, of course. Both teams trending the right way. Uh, Detroit had won three in a row before they lost on Thanksgiving to the Bills. 
The Jaguars have won two of the last three. The quarterback's playing well, really, for both sides. The run game there for Detroit should be a pretty good matchup, I think, this uh, Sunday. And time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jags. Uh, by the way, going into this, have the fewest amount of players used in a game in the NFL this year. 58. That means that they haven't had many guys on the injury report a lot this year. They haven't had to bring in a lot of rotate guys in and all that. So that's uh, knock on wood. Great job by uh, the players, first of all, to stay as healthy as possible. The athletic training staff and the, and the medical staff of the team as well. But the Jaguars and, do have... And the strength and conditioning yes, staff. all yeah. the above. Yes, yeah. all the above. Yeah. All that group. Uh, there are four players on the list this week. Three, actually, now. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris was out yesterday with an illness. He was back full today. He's good to go. Travis Etienne Jr., the foot issue, limited yesterday and again today. Zay Jones, a chest issue, limited yesterday and again today. And Andre Sisco, the safety, shoulder issue, limited Wednesday and Thursday. So there you go. That's pretty – I mean, that's – very healthy for this time of year to only have four guys and and everybody's limited. You don't have guys out. I mean, it's it's uh, this team has been again uh, very fortunate this year. Is this wood? I think this desk is it's wood. wood. It's particle wood. Okay, that's and it's sandwiched in there. Thirty percent wood. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, sure. At least I think it has some that particle works. wood in there somewhere. That works. Yeah. Um, the Lions have a. A handful of guys actually limited or out or uh, not practicing uh, this week. Um, Jeff Okuda coming off a concussion has been limited for two days. The cornerback, former first-round pick, missed eh. most of last season with an Achilles yeah, issue. Yeah, he's been eh. Okay. Uh, Ragnall, the center with a foot issue, limited both days. That's that's now he look if he, if he can't play now. I mean, they, look, they they were missing their two starting guards last week, and if Ragnall can't go this week, and the guards continue to have. An issue that could be a major disadvantage for the Lions. The uh, let's see who and else. And then what they would Jonah have Jackson. to do for. By the way, just yes. with uh, Ragnow, I believe that Evan, if Evan, Evan Brown is your backup center to Ragnow. Well, Evan Brown didn't play last week, and so if Ragnow has an injury this week and that becomes a problem, they could end up being on to their third center. I, I think Ragnow is going to be fine, but. Yeah. Just something to think about there and to keep an eye on. Evan Brown, uh, ankle has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday. That's correct. So there you go. Yeah, but like I was saying, yeah. he was inactive this, right. this past Thanksgiving. But they also, with the Thanksgiving game, this Detroit Lions team is going to be able to get a little extra rest, get a little extra healed up in advance of the Jaguars game. There you have it. Um, that's a look at the – Baptist Health Injury Report, and hey, you know, we mentioned uh, the Lions defense, and we haven't really touched on that group too much as of yet. I mean, the, the, the name everybody's going to go focus on is Aiden Hutchinson, yes, defensive lineman, he's six foot seven. he stands out in the crowd, he's a rookie, he's the number two overall pick, but what else, as before we get into that, what else does this Lions defense have to offer as a whole? Well, they're not very good. I think you got to start with that. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. They're 32nd in the league in points allowed, 32nd in the league in yards allowed. They're 32nd in the league in third down percentage. So they're a, a, a defense that's been struggling, and that's been a, a topic of conversation with Dan Campbell for a long period of time. Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, 
former NFL cornerback, played for the Jets, played here for a little bit, I believe, too. Was it here? I think he played here for a little I bit. Anyway, he might have been here as a coach, or he was here at some point. And, uh, but yeah, they're young. Uh, it's not just Aiden Hutchinson young. They've got a, a safety in Kirby Joseph, who is a rookie, uh, third-round pick. Uh, John Paschal, who is a second-round pick, defensive end, plays opposite of Aiden Hutchinson, although he was inactive last week. And then you have a inside linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez, who is a six-round pick out of Oklahoma State, who is a rookie starting as well. I mean, so you got a lot of young guys playing for Detroit and are playing like a young defense. And and I will say, though, the young players are pretty doggone good. I mean, Hutchinson, we, we'll get into him in a minute. Uh, the safety – uh, Kirby Joseph's got uh, three interceptions and two forced fumbles. I mean, that's a heck of a number for a rookie safety. And then the uh, linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez, who was the 188th pick overall, is a tackling machine, got great short area quickness. So uh, so Detroit, is they're, they're growing. You know, they're growing. They, they were really bad early in the year, and then they've gotten a little bit better, but they still got a ways to go to be a good defense. Now to the two big names from this year's NFL draft in 2022. Number one overall, of course, Trayvon Walker to the Jacksonville Jaguars out of the University of Georgia. Number two overall, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end out of the University of Michigan. So far, five and a half sacks, four tackles for loss, 10 quarterback hits, a couple interceptions too. He has been impactful a lot of the season in uh, more ways than one. Trayvon Walker off to a great start. Week one had the interception. Uh, a lot of impact. The statistical impact has not quite been as high as Aiden's. How have their, how has the play of both players compared, contrasted this year? This is only the beginning of these two guys being linked at the hip for really the rest of well, their the, careers. The comparison's not going to go away. I mean, it's, it's going to be there for – probably their entire careers, you know, because they were number one and number two overall. You're just not going to get away from that. And if you look at the, the, the statistics, right now they're in Aiden Hutchinson's favor. Uh, here's the numbers. Uh, he's got five and a half sacks compared to Trayvon's two and a half. Quarterback hits, Hutchinson has ten, Trayvon has six. Tackle for losses, Hutchinson has four, Trayvon has three. Two interceptions for Hutchinson, one for Trayvon. The one category that Trayvon leads him in is that's tackles. He has 37. Hutchinson has 31. So you're not going to get away from the comparison. It will always be there. But they believe that Trayvon's ceiling, I believe, is higher. Otherwise, you wouldn't have picked him at number one overall. Now, will that ceiling be, in fact, the higher in the future? We don't know that. Aiden Hutchinson could be the better player in the future as well. Right now, Aiden Hutchinson, I would say, is the more impactful player. But I love the athleticism of Trayvon. But he's playing a position that he didn't really play at college, whereas Hutchinson is. So naturally, Hutchinson, I think, is farther along in the growth cycle than a, than a Trayvon Walker. But I've always said this. If you really want to grade draft picks, you've got to wait till like year three to really get an understanding of where they are, where they've been, and where they're headed at that point. Because a lot of times in year one and year two, for whatever reason, the productivity can or cannot be there. But by year three, you're going to know. But 
people don't like to wait right. until year three yeah. to compare a first overall and a second overall pick that are playing the same positions virtually. So right now, advantage Lions. I mean, same idea applies when you're talking about Devin Lloyd, right? I mean, yes, he was a first-round pick. I mean, you really start grading it after year two or year three. Well, and this this is uh, – Or is that different for you? Well, I mean, with, with Devin Lloyd, it's th- it's not encouraging when you have your 27th overall pick had, has been put to the bench mm-hmm. for a third-round pick. That's never encouraging. I'm not willing to say that – the jury has made its decision on De- on Devin Lloyd either now. And I, again, you're three. But I can tell you this, Chad Moom has not given up that linebacking position after the performance he had last week, I don't think. Okay. Um, Devin Lloyd has got to be able to – because in, in the game this past week, Devin Lloyd was asked to be in that three-linebacker role that I talked about. There were – Two different plays that he had to have eye discipline and he had man coverage on the tight end. One of them resulted in a touchdown, which was the touchdown that former Jaguar tight end Josh Oliver caught. The other one, if you'll remember, um, uh, Andrew, the, the tight end for the Ravens. Mark Andrews. Yes, Mark Andrews. Dropped the touchdown in the end zone. Yes. Cisco closing in, if you'll remember. It was in the south end zone. Hey, that was Devin Lloyd's guy. You know, so if you can't have the eye discipline and you can't play man where you're covering that guy, you're going to have a hard time getting on the field at all. So the question that I have is that after that performance that he just had, where he had a couple coverages that didn't execute, do you even put him out there next time? You know, do you put somebody else out there? I'm not saying you make them inactive or anything, but I'm saying is that, look, if you can't do that, then at some point you got to let somebody else that can do that do that, if you know what I mean. But how do you learn how to do that without doing that? Practice. But you're not going to sit there and go, okay, look, you know, look, he's our first-round pick. We're just going to keep playing him if he can't perform, if he, if he doesn't execute. You know, at some point there has to be the accountability – for your performance. And if the, the, the performance is not where it needs to be, then the accountability says that somebody else is going to be asked to do the job. I mean, that's just the way the NFL is. I mean, there are no scholarships in the National Football League. I don't care if you're the first overall pick. I don't care if you're the 27th overall pick or the 144th overall pick or undrafted. At some point, the production has to be there. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're back in just a moment with our final thoughts about the Jaguars and Lions in Week 13 for this hour. Coming up at 5 o'clock. It's the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach coming up. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching us on Jaguars.com and Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, first off, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Second, you're looking at the Miller Electric Center under construction just outside TIAA Bank Field. It will be open for business next summer and for training camp next year. 
Looking forward to that. And uh, every day, they're almost done with the roof now on the indoor. The the roof is massive. Huge. And they are insulating the roof and putting the uh, covering on the roof right now of the indoor practice facility. And, and I know the picture kind of doesn't do any justice, but when you see it in person, it is massive. I mean, God, I wonder what it would compare to. It's got to be one in a 50% larger than oh the indoor facility oh, at Daly's Place. Here, here comes the math. I was told there would be no math today. Oh, well, but I know at Alabama wasn't a requirement, yeah, okay, so okay. I, I get it. You're on the grounds at we were actually, hey, We were having this conversation earlier about yeah. campus okay, versus the grounds okay, uh-huh. because at Virginia – the campus is not referred to as the campus. Yeah. It's referred to as the grounds mm-hmm. of the University of Virginia. Yeah. But at Alabama, they talk, they call it whatever. Yeah. Uh, national Championship Grounds is what they call it. <laughs> no, they call uh, it the National Championship Campus. Country superstar Kenny Chesney returns to Jacksonville April 14th. Tickets on sale Friday. That is tomorrow, December 2nd. Don't miss Kenny Chesney's I Go Back Tour with special guest Kelsey Ballerini at Daly's Place. For tickets and much more, visit dailysplace.com today. Favorite Kenny Chesney song, go. Me? Yeah. No, the other person on the air with me. Yeah, you. I thought you were asking Joe. You. No, ask Joe. Joe, favorite? No, he's not going to answer. What's yours, Logs? She thinks my tractor's sexy. That's yeah, number that's one. that's a good one. That's from 99, man. That's way back. I like the song of the plural version, though. She thinks my tractors are sexy. Yeah, but more yeah. than one, huh? Okay. <laughs> in your case, I guess so. Uh, Jaguars-Lions in week 13. The Jaguars have lost a bunch in a row to NFC teams, oddly enough. They've lost a bunch in a row to a lot of teams over the years, unfortunately. But uh, that's the way it's gone against NFC teams, trying to snap that. skid what, 18 in a row now? Uh, either way, uh, Doug Peterson this week is like, yeah, that doesn't do anything for us. It's a brand-new team, brand-new organization. So, uh, But it is well, they, two look, teams. They, they've, on, got the, they've got the same thing going on in Detroit. There's no doubt about it, right? Okay, it's they've the been thing. winless in like the last 11 games against AFC opponents. Was it like the last four or five drafts? Yeah, Both teams have been in the top 10 drafting. I mean, yeah, I mean the reality is, is that neither team has been very good lately. Yeah. And so there hasn't been a, one, a lot of games won. So, I mean, there's all kinds of streaks. But that also means that this can be, uh, I'm not going to call it a true swing game, but hey, like I said earlier, Five and seven is much better than four and eight. Certainly for the Jaguars trying to make a run late, the Lions might be a little. Eh, it's tough in that division, obviously. But well, hey, you get you get a uh, two four and seven teams this late with a chance. Hey, you got to go win this game. Both teams uh, can keep their playoff hopes alive by winning this game. So this game has a lot of importance to both teams. And, and here's the reality. This might be one of the most ignored games that there is in the National Football League this week. Yeah. Because it's with you know the small market Jaguars who have had the worst record in football for the last two years, and it's against the Detroit Lions who were the second worst team in the National Football League last year. But the reality is, is that you've got a, a Detroit Lions team that has won three out of their last four. You've got a Jaguars football team that's got a quarterback that's, that's starting to show – some signs of coming of age of a franchise quarterback and that both teams are trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, I mean, this game, even though it is going to be largely ignored, 
by most NFL football fans, this game is actually is going to be a good football I game. I think so. They match yeah. up pretty well together. They, like you said, to your point, there are some bigger, if you will. There, every game's a big game in the NFL. Oh, I got a big to game tonight: There's Patriots and Buffalo Bills. Huge, you know? right in that division. And then the Jets at the Vikings later. You got the Titans at the Eagles. You got the Dolphins at the Niners, big game there, of course. The Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, that, those are some big, big games. This, big games. This may not be that level, ah, but for yeah, these teams, it's, it's a big swing day. And and, and, here, and here's the, the reality. Look, uh, the Jaguars won two out of the last three, Lions three out of the last four. The fan bases feel like, okay, our teams are making progress, right? So uh, this is a game I think that both fan bases are, are going to be watching very closely, and as they should, because if if he, whichever team wins, has got has got the opportunity for having some meaningful games down the stretch, and it's been a long time for either team since they've had meaningful games down the stretch. And for the Jaguars, from that perspective, if those games are to be meaningful, they will most likely be on the road. This is the start of four out of the next five away from TIAA Bank Field, the Cowboys game here in a couple of weeks. But um, that's, that's a tough stretch in December. That Cowboys game is going to be packed. Uh, yeah. Cowboys and, are good, and they're the Cowboys. Yeah, and hopefully the Jaguars are, are you know, Right there, knocking on the door, first place by that point. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see too if the Cowboys have added a wide receiver yeah. between now and then. Well, the other question too is this trend for the Jaguars: offense is playing well, quarterbacks playing well. Uh, can that carry on the road these next couple of weeks? Well, this week, Detroit. Next week, in Nashville. Can it? Yes. But here's something I, I really believe that has to happen: this this defense has to kind of find its footing. Because I think they're still trying, like I said, we were talking about earlier, about they're trying to, to get squared away at a couple positions. You know, the linebacking position, which now that Chad Mooma's in there, okay, uh, you feel good about the performance last week. You've got some things being tried with safeties and corners and different multiple defensive back packages. Can you settle that down? I mean, the reality, can you rush the passer? I mean, right now the, the coverage of this defense is is not where it needs to be you're not rushing the passer at a high level and some of the issues are it's going to take time to get it fixed it's going to take growth to get it fixed but can you get it fixed enough to get on a run that's the question and this offense I feel like has been pretty consistent week in and week out the Kansas City game it's a little bit of an exception because you had a lot of opportunities given to the offense with takeaways, surprise onside kick, great field position. You weren't able to do that, but you faced a Kansas City team that was really good and arguably the the best team in the National Football League. So I hope the defense can get to get some footing. Uh, but the the reality is is that they still need they still need some guys, JP. They need some guys. Find some guys. Uh, the uh the good thing is, like Jared Goff doesn't run around like crazy. So oh, he's, he's a terrible. Well, he's I stand I was, back there. Let me correct myself. He, I was going to say he's a terrible athlete, but that's not fair. Matt Ryan's a terrible athlete, but yeah, okay, okay. Matt Ryan can't can't do anything athletically. I don't know, but he he didn't he run on a thirty yarder against us. I mean, he just had like a 16-yarder this past game that Jeff yeah. Saturday didn't use a timeout on. What are you doing, Jeff? Yeah. Call the timeout. Either way. Um, okay, well, I was trying to see if he got the first down. Well, when a quarterback gives himself up and he's two yards short of the first down, that's where the spot of the ball is going to be. Use your timeout. You know, <laughs> regroup, get in the huddle. 
we digress. Uh, Jared, no, it's not is, digressing. That's just Jared you know. Goff is not quite the uh, the running threat. Let's say no, they still He's run, stand back there and throw it. They still run some read option principle stuff, but again, it's Jared Goff is not a great athlete. He's a good athlete, and he's he's got some mobility, but it's not like he's a guy that you're scared if he runs. You know, if, if he runs, the Detroit Lions coaching staff is probably going, get down, Slide. get down, get down, because he's not fast. He's one of those quarterbacks that when he breaks the pocket, you sit there and you go, oh, my God, he's going to have a 15-yard gain. And then a split second later you go, oh, well, he's going to get tackled for a one-yard gain. That's, that's the kind of quarterback he is. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. he's, he's got to make things happen with his arm because he can't make anything happen with his legs. All right, a couple minutes away from the Doug Peterson Show. Jaguars head coach will join us here coming up on the Jaguars Radio Network. What do you want to hear from Doug tonight, Logs? Well, the gro- I mean, just talk to him about the growth of the quarterback. I mean, I think that's a big thing. You know, the, the growth of the quarterback and, and talk to him. I mean, how do you approach the, at this point of the season where you are? You know, do you, do you say, so what, now what? Or do you talk about what may lie ahead? I mean, because as a head coach, I mean, that's – that's kind of part of, of the direction that you set on a, on a day-to-day basis with your football team. And so uh, it'll be good to, to ask him those questions. I mean, because you walk down the hallway and you see a picture of the Lamar Hunt Trophy and the AFC South Division kind of graphic thing and the Lombardi Trophy. Like, okay, they're there. That's why you're here. Well, it's December and there are standings for a reason. I'm well, you have, you have different approaches. You know, you have some coaches that say, look, we're living in the moment. We're going to be where our feet are. We're going to stay glued to the process. We're not worried about next week. We're worrying about this week. And we're not going to talk about big picture because everything will take care of itself if we take care of business this week. I mean, you have all that different kind of coach speak. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I mean, from our standpoint, we talk about what could possibly lie ahead. And, and the reality is, is that if you win this game, there's a lot of things that stay alive for this team. All right, that'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour. Coming up in mere moments, the Doug Peterson Show. The Jaguars head coach joining us ahead of this Week 13 matchup. The Jaguars and the Detroit Lions coming up. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.